0: Stop Bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, 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 oh. so open up the gate.
1: Team.
2: appreciate it.
0: Nice guys stay Video
1: that was sounding good. Thank you all for did, how many knew the word, most of the words. How many didn't have a clue, but she said watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. I knew part of the words, I knew the part of that first one, the oh, I knew that part very well. I'm gonna ask Larry and Sharon and Lily to come down here to the front and embarrass them. We've got some special guests that are here today visiting with us, they are missionaries to the field of Mexico, and I'm not sure how long, how long you've been in the field of Mexico? 53 years. 53 years. 53 years. So I want, uh, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about your mission field, but I'm going to first of all ask you if you'd uh, open with a word of prayer and ask God to show up today, otherwise we may as well go home.
2: Okay, thank you. Yes. Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege we have of being in your house. Lord, we're so grateful yes. Yes. And we can come to a place where you live with your people. Pray your blessings upon this church, upon this service today. May we enjoy your presence and your, good, your goodness in our lives today. Bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Would you give us a little testimony about, uh, you know, all may be seated.
2: Okay. It's a privilege and a blessing to be here. We brought our granddaughter back from Texas, and so along the way, had a slight accident. But we're doing okay. But uh, that's for here. Mexico is where we'd love to be. Right now, we're in full services there. We're working in a Bible college, a director of the Bible college in Ciudad Monte. And you may have known Bill Harvey. That's where he was. And we uh, started working with him in 1988. We are in two other cities in Mexico before that, started churches and pastors there, and now we are training pastors in our Bible college. We've seen there have been over a 1,000 that have graduated, gone out into full-time services. There are hundreds of churches in Mexico being pastored by our graduates from the Bible college. And so we're grateful and thankful for the privilege of being able to prepare others for the ministry and to take over and do the work that uh, was started by the missionaries in Mexico. It's a blessing to be here. Thank you, Brother Bates.
1: Thank you. you. Appreciate that. Don't get gone today before uh, we have something we want to send with you when when you get ready to go later on. But wait till after the service. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, Don't leave before the service is over. We're glad to have them here and glad to have anyone serving the Lord. 53 faithful years. Thank God. Thank God for that. I want to welcome everybody to First Baptist Church. If you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, either one, thank you so much for uh, checking out the service. And uh, one more explanation why we don't have any words. Oh, we do have words back here, but... I don't know that we're going to have words beyond that, but if we do, it'll be because we have an incredible team of people, and if we don't, it'll be because God doesn't want us to have the slides today, in which case, either way, we're happy in the Lord, so be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, so don't be worried about anything today. We're glad to have uh, the teens meeting today. They're in the pa- on the patio, so if you're a teenager here, uh, junior high or high school, you're invited to go to the patio and meet there, uh, and I'm going to... To ask Monica to come next and give us a testimony about something that's coming up very soon. While she's coming, going to be preaching today on the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, also want to remember, remind everyone, Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, so make sure you have set aside time to be thankful. It kind of—I don't like it called Turkey Day. Uh, because it's like Thanksgiving Day. So let's keep thanks and thanksgiving and be thankful to God for all of his blessings. And one of the blessings I'm thankful for is Monica Medina, one of the faithful Chula Vista police officers. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, it's such an honor to be part of this family. I, I just love you all so very much. Um, so uh, we're having the Convalescent Ministry Outreach next Saturday. Um, it'll be at Active Care Rolling Hills Ranch in Chula Vista. It starts at 10.30, um, but if you'd like to come, we highly invite you to come at 10.15 in the morning because we do have to register. Okay, We do have to register, and we get our little name badge and stuff. Um, what goes on inside is just... Amazing! There's a enormous room just like this, and as oh, there's pictures. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so it's a enormous room, and we have one section that we have our amazing friend Fred playing the violin, and his mom plays the piano. Uh, we sing music, old hymns, new hymns, and and we're gonna start Christmas songs. And then we have a nail polish station, so the beautiful ladies get their nail polished. Then we have volley tennis, which is amazing, and it's kind of fun when they fight against each other and they start hitting the the balloon really hard. Um, And then we have just fellowshipping. We have a beautiful garden that the people who do not want to be inside listening to music, they just need time for themselves. It's the time for us to go out there and we just ask them if they need prayer. We just start talking to them. They just need friends, they need love, and that's what we do. um, we've been blessed with this facility. I've been going here for seven months already, um, once a month. And we're, we're developing amazing friendship with these people. And it is a memory, memory facility. Sometimes they remember us, sometimes they do not. But the key thing is they never forget the word of God. So if you'd like to join, please come by. We need all the help we could get.
1: Thank you, Monica. What a great opportunity. If you're looking for an area to serve in and a ministry that's, uh, that is a tremendous ministry, uh, check out uh, Monica after the service. Let her know that you're willing. And all the information is the time, date, place, everything else is in your bulletin. So we'd invite you to do that. Fitz, would you come and make an announcement? We have Christmas season coming up, so Fitz and the Gat uh, have a special project that we're excited about uh, for South of the Border. Yes. Larry? Hey, good morning, Church. Uh, for morning. for many years, actually, we've you all are familiar with Cristo Vive. It's one of the the uh, ministries we support here as a church, and we as a family as well. And for many years, we were collecting gifts for the, the children who aren't uh, that are orphans here. We didn't do it last year, but this year we're going to restart that again. And for more information,
2: I'm going to hand over to my lovely wife, who speaks much better than I do. <laughs>
4: Yes, so um, they'll be having a um, this this little church in Rosarito, Baja California. Will be having their um, Christmas party December 16, and we would like to take at that point. Um, a gift or a set of gifts for each child. In preparation, we've asked the pastor and his wife to collect the kids' pictures and Christmas lists. So we've translated that. It'll look something like this. We have set up a table outside so we can see you after the service. If you want to basically sponsor and be the, the gift giver for one of these children, Um, We have 30 of them that we're hoping to find somebody to shop for and that they will be um, blessed through you guys uh, at Christmas time. Um, I have a few instructions for those who will be participating. Uh, Please buy only the items that were requested by the kids. Uh, The pastor and his wife down there in Mexico, they tried to make sure that um, the kids were asking for fairly even things and so we don't want to have siblings open something that has been amped up by a generous giver, (laughs) Um, just so we don't create um, drama down there. Um, Please wrap the gifts and label them with your child's name. It's inside the card. The full name, please. Uh, We have a few kids with similar first names. Um, And I'll be collecting, we will be collecting them here at First Baptist, uh, by no later than December 10th, so the Sunday prior to that party. If you have any questions, my contact information is on the back. Thank I think that covers it. Thank you so much. Please consider this. Oh, oh yeah, sure.
0: Okay, we've got a video there. Then, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Thank you.
1: Amen. All right, be sure to stop the table and take some names of some kids and make their Christmas really great. And it's coming through the church there locally, so they'll be introduced also to the Lord Jesus Christ, to He might become their personal Savior. Uh, if you are a first-time guest here, I know we have some. We're so appreciative to have you. Take one of these cards from the seat back in front of you and fill it out. If you'll turn it in at the end of the service, either put it in the offering box in the back by the double doors. Uh, or give it to one of us, uh, or give it to the people in the sound booth, or the, my wife, or whatever. We'll make sure we get a Starbucks card to you in appreciation for you filling this out. Going to be preaching next Sunday, the Lord willing, on the Day of the Lord Armageddon and Gog and Magog. One prophetic message. Please be praying for that. I've already uh, the work I've done it. I'm going to have to redo. Uh, it's just too comprehensive. I've got to narrow the uh, the topics a, a little bit. Maybe keep it down to like a thousand years instead of eternity. I don't know. Um, Now, one more announcement. Uh, So listen up, guys. Uh, Everybody got your ears on, right? I need four handsome, intelligent, strong men to serve the ladies' Christmas tea. Um, we've got All you need is a white shirt and black pants, dress, dress shirt and black pants. We've got the bow ties we're going to provide, but we need four more guys. We've got a maxed out crowd of ladies here, and it's our opportunity to serve them. So I need four of you uh, to see. Jack, would you stand up back by the sound booth right over here? Those that are in, over there can't see you. They're, they're in the back, so walk around a little bit. All right. There we go. That's Jack. All right. So see him after the service, and let him know that you'll be part of that crew of handsome, intelligent, strong men needed to serve ladies' luncheon. Let's go ahead and stand together as we continue to worship the Lord in song, and maybe we have words. Maybe.
0: alone, my hope is found, He is my light, my strength. light of the world by darkness Light of
1: Special thank you to Philemon for filling in for Shira. Appreciate that. Good job. You may be seated in the auditorium and. Uh, I'm going to ask the the boys and girls to come up here to the front for a little brief mini message before they go get the real thing in the classroom, and the rest of us can turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bible, who has your Bible? Let me see your Bibles out there, and yes, it could be on your iPad. might be an old-fashioned one like this, all right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, will be there in a minute. Boys and girls, how many of you have ever been on a farm? Anybody? You've been on a farm? Anybody else been on? You been on a farm? Anybody else? Have you been on a farm? Did you ever go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, I mean? Did you ever go to Minnesota? Never mind. Okay, all right. So how many, what kind of animals are on farm? Cows. What do cows do? What else, what other kind of animals? Horses. Horses, what do they say? (laughs) That's it, you got it. What else? What other kind of animals? A duck. a duck. A duck goes quack, quack, right? All right. I love the meme that on Facebook this week that said when God was creating all the fowls of the air, he, he said, take that chicken, waterproof it, and give it a kazoo. And that's a duck. You'll get it later on, but that's all right. Okay. So uh, hey, how many have ever seen a sheep? How many have ever seen sheep? Have you, how many have you seen little baby lambs? Little baby lambs are so cute. I don't think we have a picture because we're not getting it working right now. But I had a picture of these really cute little baby lambs. But you know the trouble with little baby lambs? They grow up to be big old sheep. And you know the trouble with little puppies? They grow up to be big old dogs. You know the trouble with little kittens? They turn grown into cats. You know the trouble with little kids? They turn into teenagers. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? We need to watch out for sheep. You don't have to be afraid of normally, but there's a slide I had that was a really awesome slide, and it, it, was a, it looked like a sheep until you looked real close, and underneath the sheep's skin was a wolf. How many have I ever seen a wolf? Did you see a wolf? Did you live through it? No? Oh, you saw it on TV. Okay, so you got to be careful about wolves because they would be dangerous. And so you got to be careful about people who look good on the outside, who look like they're there to help you, who look like they want to be your friend, but inside they have different motives and different desires. And always, 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 if you feel uncomfortable around anyone, a stranger or someone you know, let your mom and dad know right away, okay? Always, always, because there are people who look good on the outside, but the inside is not right, so be sure to let your parents know. Let's pray, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every young man, every young lady up here today, this morning. I pray your blessings upon them in the class. God, fill their teachers with the spirit of God. Lord, your spirit, just give them the truth, and I pray that, Lord, you would protect them from wolves in sheep's clothing, and I pray that you would help them to be obedient sheep themselves, following your son, Jesus, as our great shepherd and we pray it in his name. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classroom, boys and girls. We're glad to have you here this morning. Thank you for being in God's house. Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount, part 12, conclusion. When I began the series on the Sermon on the Mount, I had no idea it would be 12 complete separate sermons. The truth of the matter is it should have been a whole lot more than that. In fact, today's message, we're going to go over several parables, each one of which could be a message within itself. But today, I plan to conclude the study of, of this amazing sermon and then to have the one prophetic sermon because it's so interesting how the powers are aligned today when things were written 1500... Or, 3,500 years ago about the end times and how the nations are all aligned right now. So I just felt like that would be a good thing to go over. And then we'll start the Lord willing, an Advent series in the month of December, concluding with the Nativity. So the conclusion of this series, sermon is a series of parables meant to apply what Jesus has taught them in the Sermon on the Mount thus far. Instruction is of little value if there's no application. Instruction, knowing what the Bible says, is of little value if there is no application. In fact, I wrote four things that uh, inspiration is by God's Holy Spirit. The holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. They recorded exactly what God wanted recorded, no more and no less. They were moved as a ship, as a sailboat moves on the surface of the water by the wind that fills its sails. They were so moved to write down what God wanted them to write, using their own vocabularies, their own uh, expertise, their own way of writing, their own style of writing, but writing exactly what God wants. So that's inspiration. Then there's instruction by teachers, by preachers, by people conveying the truth of the Word of God. Then there's illustration, and that's uh, taking things that we know and making an application uh, of the principles that God wanted to teach us. And then last of all, there's application, and that's what does it mean to us. How does it work in our lives? Uh, what is it uh, that, that it makes a difference in our lives? So the texts are found, there are two of them, in Matthew 7 and Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to go kind of fast through it. You've got the notes. Sorry, don't have the slides, but you've got the notes if you've got a bulletin. First of all, there's two gates in Matthew 7, 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, And narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So we have two contrasting gates here. One of them is the narrow, constricted gate uh, found by relatively few people. Did any of you have the misfortune of coming onto the island by way of the bridge the last couple of weeks when it went from all lanes down to one? Did any of you have? Yeah. I, I sat on the bridge one Monday for, I think, about 50 minutes. Uh, thereabouts, just just kind of creeping along a little at a time. There are not many who find this narrow gate, this constricted gate, uh, and, and when they do, it's very, very constricted. In other words, this DEI stuff that's going on today is not part, uh, uh, is not appropriate for getting into this gate that God has. And, and why? I wish I had time to go into DEI, but d- diversity, we're okay with diversity of people and, and uh, of races and of uh, social and I mean, we're fine with that. Uh, but it, the, the, this idea of, of equity in that is not equality. It's a whole different thing from equality. So let's do some research on that. And inclusiveness, you know, God's plan is not inclusive of everyone who believes whatever they want to believe. God's plan is very narrow. God's plan is, Jesus said, he is the way, the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. No one does. So, someone who's serious and sincere about worshiping um, Islam, uh, the God of Islam. Someone who's into um, some some other religion, some uh, some animism of some kind, or whatever. Uh, the Bible doesn't make any provision for that. There needs to be a coming to Jesus Christ and acknowledging of him as our Lord and Savior, and that's what saves us. And that's what gives us then life, absolute sense of life without restriction, eternal life, Hebrews 7:16 says. So we have the narrow gate. It was very narrow, constricted. Then we have the wide gate, a spacious, wide, like a multi-lane highway. And I actually had a picture of, the, of Route 10 uh, with no cars on it <laughs> at the point where the fire was underneath the the freeway and, and there 's these massive i don't, i can 't remember how it 's like ten lanes uh, that with nothing on it and, and I thought to me that what a picture of a wide, spacious multi lane highway, but it leads to destruction. The idea of the word destruction means to destroy fully, perdition and ruin in the New Testament it refers to the state after death. Wherein in exclusion from salvation is a realized fact. So, people who go the wide road, the broad way, go to destruction, there is no eternal living, eternal life for them. There's eternal death and eternal separation from God for them in a terrible place that eventually will be called the lake of fire. It's for the lost and the ruined. So, many there be that go in that gate, unfortunately. Most religions today... And including a lot of Christian denominations and a lot of so-called Christian churches emphasize a false salvation. This fake salvation can be defined by human wisdom. So for salvation, if you want to be saved, you got to be a nice person. You got to join a church, a mosque, a temple, or have some kind of religious affiliation of some, whether it It doesn't much matter what it is, according to the world. Generosity, you've got to give of one's time, one's talents, one's treasures somehow. You've got to seek enlightenment. You've got to be altruistic, uh, watching out for others. You've got to help little old ladies across the street. If you see me out in the street, don't come over and help me across the street. I will not respond to that in a favorable way. So, so people have concocted all these ways uh, of being a good person so that when you die, whatever way the balance goes, if, if, if it's toward the good works you've done, then you'll go to heaven. If it's not, then you'll go to hell. Or in some people's belief system, you just cease to exist or whatever. In the Christian realm, it goes a little bit further then just being a nice person. We talk about church membership, we talk about baptism, we talk about confession, we talk about almsgiving, we talk about prayer, we talk about tithing, we talk about all kinds of things to, in order to retain a right standing before God. But if we do those things, listen carefully, to obtain a right standing before God, we err. We greatly err. We, that's the broad way, it's part of the broad way. As long as you do these things, these works, we're saved by grace. Through faith, not not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, "Man, I did such a, I was able to get to heaven because I was a good guy, a good gal. I, I did, I, I helped Mrs. Bates across the street. You know, I mean, I just, and she was dragging her husband across the street. So, uh, uh, as a result, many are trying to make it to heaven by their works. That's the broad way, folks. That's the way that leads to destruction. It's easy on a, on a wide road, isn't it? It's easy. It's, it's, it was difficult going down to one lane on the bridge, all the cars having to inch forward and people having to let other people in front of them or in some cases not letting other people in front of them and snaking along. That's a hard thing. It's, it's a na- The narrow gate, the straight gate is pretty restricted. It's one way. There's one way to heaven and that's through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll never know how much our sin cost. It was it was cost the blood of God, son of almighty God, cost his blood, his death, his sep- not just the physical death, his separation from his father, the only time in all of eternity he was separated from him. The Broadway leads to destruction. So the Bible teaches if we're guilty of one sin, Think about this, if you're guilty, if you're guilty of one sin and, and you obey all the others, which we couldn't do, we're guilty of the entire law. In James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So if I keep nine of the 10 commandments, I'm guilty of the whole law. If we go back to the 630 some laws that the that the rabbis observed from the Old Testament Torah, if we kept 600, say it's number 635, I'm not sure, I don't remember right now, but say we kept 634 of them, but we we did not keep the one, then we're guilty of the entire law. So the whole point is that we have to be saved by grace through faith. Hopefully, you've found the narrow gate, the way, the truth and the life. That is exclusive. That is not inclusive. That is exclusive of everyone who rejects Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, this is not a popular message in today's world. Uh, No doubt if a lot of people would be offended to hear that, that Jesus is the only way. I'll get to another point here in a minute. But first of all, wolves in sheep's clothing. The next thing, beware, be alert of false prophets who... Uh, assume the work of a prophet when he's pretending to be, foretell things to come, or he's teaching false doctrine in the name of God. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. They look good on the outside, but they are pure evil inside. False doctrine is propagated by false teachers or self-proclaimed prophets. They metaphorically clothe themselves. In attire resembling a sheep. Now, the word for sheep there is interesting because the, the Greek word for sheep. Uh, goes a little bit further than just a sheep, the animal. It's a sheep that walks before, leading the way. It's kind of a leader of the pack. Even though a shepherd is who leads the flock, there, there are some sheep who become uh, dominant and they kind of lead the way. And this is a sheep that's leading the way for the others. Be careful of him. He is not what he appears to be. He looks like a sheep on the outside, but he's he's actually... Uh, a a wolf in sheep's clothing. So it's the idea of unconverted people leading others into error. And I am always, always, always amazed when I hear of preachers, and I, I get stuff on the email all the time about preachers who mess up, preachers who are Found out, preachers whose sins are discovered, preachers who, who lead people the wrong way. I, I'm always amazed that a pastor could do some of the things, and yet I know I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I know that I would be, uh, given the right circumstances, probably could do just about anything that anybody else could do. I know that. Uh, but still, it, it amazes me when someone who's supposed to be a shepherd of the flock is found out doing some of the things that they do. They're like wolves, rapacious, violent, seizing their prey by the throat, destroying the flock of God. And by the way, you better know the devil goes to church. He may be sitting next to you right now. No elbows throwing, please. Good fruit and evil fruit, point number three. You know them by their fruits. You shall know them by the fruit. Do men gather grapes out of or from thorns? You don't get grapes from thorn bushes. You get grapes from healthy grape vines. You get figs out of thistles. No, you don't get figs from weeds that, uh, that, that, are, that are spikes on them and all that, thistles like burrs. Uh, you, you get them from uh, vines and you get them from the right kind of plants. So how can we recognize people wolves that are in sheep's clothing? When I preached the message uh, a couple of weeks ago on judge not lest you be judged and explained what that really means, uh, someone said after the service very aptly so they said we are to be fruit inspectors so maybe we don't judge but we're fruit inspectors see what kind of things follow that person's life who claims to be a believer who claims to be following the lord and this is about the kind of fruit produced because if you are if you produce good fruit Uh, then you're you're probably a good plant. If you produce evil fruit or bad fruit, then you're a bad plant. So here it's the outward appearance that's important. Wolves may be dressed up to look like sheep, but the things that the false prophets do, the things the false preachers do, the things the false Christians do uh, in their manner of thought and life betray who they really are inside. Then Jesus progressed from vines and bushes to Point number four, good trees and evil trees in Matthew 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree, which means profitable, brings forth good fruit, good as to character and quality. The other one was good as to kind. This is good as to character and quality. But a corrupt or bad or rotten or diseased tree brings forth evil fruit or wicked or malicious fruit. A good tree cannot produce, cannot bring forth evil fruit, and neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Uh, so it's a restating of the... Uh, in the opposite order of the former part of the verse, every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down, cast into the fire, whereby their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits, by the, what's produced by someone's life. So it has to do again with character and quality of the fruit more than the kind of fruit. We had, uh, I've got a, a couple of good illustrations to that. Uh, my wife has had for several years in our backyard tomato plants that have been crazy and producing, I mean, like just tons of cherry tomatoes. She loves cherry tomatoes. And so uh, these things, I mean, they would grow from one season to the next and uh, and still producing and would bring uh, tomatoes and give them away and, you know, to the kids and people at church and just, but this year, I don't know what happened, but that, toma- that tomato plant, it was a new plant and it, we planted it in the spring and it just never did anything worthwhile. It was just, it's a bad Vine, a bad plant somehow. She very graciously, I like the beefsteak. She likes the cherry tomatoes. I like the beefsteak tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bigger the better. You know, slice those puppies, put them on bread. You got a tomato sandwich. Mm, it's good stuff. <laughs> Add some mayonnaise, and it's really good. Add some mustard greens, and I want to go home and eat right now. So, uh, so she got me this beefsteak tomato plant, and it was awesome, and I planted it, and I got excited, and it started putting out all kinds of buds and blooms, rather, and then it started putting out tomatoes, and and they got got bigger and bigger, and as they got bigger and bigger, they had some kind of a blight on them, some kind of, it was like a mole or a fungus or whatever, and I mean, I was so desperate, I was picking them and cutting the fungus out, and throwing the fungus away and eating the rest of it. I was, I was enjoying what I could, but, but the, the, it was bad plants producing bad fruit. False prophets produce, point number five, false professions. False prophets produce false. let me camp there for just a moment because I want you to understand, we don't have to have faith in our faith. We have to have faith in God and his word. Now, there's a difference. Faith in our faith, let me give you my experience. Uh, I I was saved when I was eight years old in First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois. I went to Bible college when I was 19 years old. Uh, In one of the classes, I got concerned about whether I was really saved, Because I'd heard things like, if you get saved, you'll remember where you were, you'll remember the time of day, you'll remember what seat you were sitting in, you'll remember what invitation song was sung, you'll remember, and and I was eight years old, this is 11 years later, and I'm like, you know, now I don't remember things 11 months ago, let alone 11 years ago. And so I was like, did I really do what I needed to do? I'm in Bible college. I've surrendered to ministry. Did I really do it the right way? Huh, I don't know, and this professor very wisely said, if you're not sure, go to your dormitory room, shut the door, get down on your knees, and say, God, I think I was saved, but I'm not sure I was saved, and I wanna make sure, and so I believe that I'm a sinner, I believe I'm gonna die one day and stand before God, I believe Jesus died for me on the cross, that he's your son, I believe he rose again uh, after three days, and I wanna ask him to be my savior, my Lord, and my master. Now, now it's a matter, do I trust the Word of God and what it says about being saved? Do I trust God as my Savior, or am I still trusting my faith? It's a different thing altogether. So trust God and His Word, not your faith. Not everyone, now listen to this, in, in Matthew seven twenty one, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, which is kurios in Greek, which means it's the New Testament equivalent of Jehovah, Okay. So that's the title given for Jehovah in the New Testament. Lord, Lord, Kyrios, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, listen to this, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We've preached in your name. We've told the future in your name. Uh, And in your name, we've cast out devils and demons. And in your name, we've done many wonderful works. But yet, not everyone that says calls him curiosity, calls him Lord, is going to wind up in heaven. Uh, not everyone who talks the talk walks the walk. Saying it is not enough. Saying I'm a Christian doesn't make me a Christian. There are deceivers who are knowingly lying, who mislead people, and then there are the deceived who think they have the truth, who are giving out error to others. And then point number six is the scariest words, scary words. Then I will profess unto them, listen to this, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Those are scary words. I have given lots of thought to those words in my years as, as a Christian. I can't imagine. I sometimes wonder what must happen when a terrorist blows himself and innocent victims up with a, with, a, with a bomb, expecting to get into the kingdom and have 72 virgins or whatever. And yet he wakes up after blowing himself and innocent people up. He opens his eyes in hell. I wonder what he thinks about at that point. Eventually that person will stand before the true God to be judged and be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And I want to point out something. Anyone who would do that must be sincere. They wouldn't do it on a whim, surely. They must be sincere. But sincerity enough, sincerity alone, rather, is not enough. One must sincerely believe in the word of God and in the Savior, the Son of God. And the song we sang about the man, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and, and the and the winds came and the rains came and the and the, the floods came and, and it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. That's why contractors will dig down. They'll get through the dirt and the clay and the and gravel and whatever else. They'll get down to bedrock, and then they'll pour uh, cement in, on top of that and, and probably reinforce it with rebar and, and, and iron in order to hold that foundation in order uh, that when the rains fall, when the wind blows, when the floods come, that building will still stand and the wise man who builds his house upon the rock is the wise person who believes in Jesus Christ as his foundation. The only way we can endure is to hear the words of Christ and do them. And if we do, then we will be saved. 1 Corinthians 3:11, for no other foundation for other foundation rather can no man lay than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. The foundation for my salvation Foundation for your salvation is an immovable, steadfast rock, Jesus Christ, Son of God, who will never, ever let us down. Matthew seven twenty-eight and twenty-nine closes this way. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority. And not as the scribes. So Jesus concluded his sermon on the mount. I was hoping Sure was here. I was going to tell. I, I wonder if, if, if he gave an invitation. I wonder if they sang just as I am. Uh, and, and how many verses of just as I am they would sing to have that crowd uh, respond. But the people, the Bible says, were, were astonished. And the English word astonish doesn't really do it justice because the English word astonish doesn't mean the same that the Greek word means. The Greek word for astonished is at plesso, which means to strike, to strike out by a blow and found in the sense of knocking one out of his senses or self-position, knocking one out. I mean, Jesus preached this incredible message, and the Bible says the people, they were like they got socked like they were gut-punched, like they were sucker-punched. They were dazed because of the profoundness of the preaching of Jesus Christ. They weren't used to such preaching from the weak and powerless and pointless teaching of the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And so today, we have our um, positive-thinking preachers. We have our prosperity preachers. Do you know Jesus didn't come so that we could be rich? Jesus came so that we could be saved, Jesus came so he could live eternal life. He never promised. Jesus had not where to lay his head. He had a robe without seam that was about the extent of his worldly possessions. So Don't believe this stuff. You send me your tithe and you'll get rich. Uh, the only person who'll get rich is the one who everybody's sending their tithe to. That's the only one who'll get, get rich. So, so pick and choose preachers who, who take the word of God and will cut out things. One of the kings in the Old Testament would cut out portions of scripture that he didn't like and throw it away. We have preachers like that today who will take the word of God and cut portions out that they don't like, they don't want to hear because it's not politically correct, because it's not woke enough. And, and, and they will then toss it aside. Well, I'm telling you something. Those who cut out to interpret uh, or reinterpret clear Bible teachings and replace it with their human reasoning and cultural wokeness uh, don't have the kind of authority that Jesus had. They were astonished. They were amazed. They were gut-punched because he had authority, exousia, which means permission and authority and right and the liberty and the power to do something. And the the, the word has the idea of right and might. He has the right to say what he says. He has the power and the might to say what he says. So this series has a lot of authoritative and powerful preaching. No wonder it's called the Sermon on the Mount. No wonder it's called a classic, incredible sermon. It covers so much material, and it's been such a blessing. But what have we learned today? Let me summarize it here. First of all, we have learned, enter at the right gate. The right gate's the narrow one, faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, watch out for wolves who pretend they are sheep. Watch out for those who look out on the outside, but inwardly, they're corrupt. Number three, be fruit inspectors. What kind of fruit is coming from that person? Number four, false prophets produce false professions. Number five, the scariest words ever, depart from me, I never knew you. Dwell on that sometime. Meditate on that sometime. I've, if it has the same effect on you that it had on me, it will shake up your world. Last of all, build only on a solid foundation. That is Christ, our Savior. So my question to you today is, have you put your faith in him and him alone? Have you built your spiritual building upon the foundation that will never crack, never dissolve, never allow the building, the building to be swept away? Have you put your faith and trust in the one who's, who sent his son to die on the cross so that you could have, and I could have, eternal life with Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever, in a place where there's no sin, no sorrow, no sickness, no sad goodbyes. If you haven't done that yet, this can be the day of your personal salvation. Trust him with all your heart. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Our Father in heaven, I'm so thankful for what you did for us. I can't imagine giving one of my children to the death penalty for the salvation of anyone. I can't imagine ever doing that. And Lord, you gave your only begotten son to die for us. And Lord, it's a narrow way not just anybody can go to heaven, not just anybody can live forever with you, but those who've put their faith, trust, confidence in Jesus Christ as their savior, the one who was the mediator on the cross, the one who was the go-between, between sinners like us and you. So Father, if there's those that are here this morning, they're not certain that heaven is their eternal home, like I did when I was 19 years of age, may they make that commitment right now. May they make sure of it so that they don't have to doubt, so they don't have to worry, so they don't have to wonder. And God, I pray that you would be glorified by that. With every head still bowed, if it's your desire this morning to make certain of your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not about having faith in your faith, it's about having faith in God, in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you would pray right where you're seated, if you would pray something like this, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die one day. I don't know when that's going to be, but I know I'm going to die one day. I believe, Jesus, that you're his son and that you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, as best I know how, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of every awful sin I've ever committed, every wrong word I've ever spoken, every wrong deed I've ever done. Be my Lord. And my God, right now, with every head still bowed for another moment more, if you just now prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed to admit it, would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up for just a moment. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Hold them up for just, just for a moment. God bless you and you and you and you. Four, I see four. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else besides these? God bless you. sir. I think five. Anyone else? Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the love that you have for us, that you would do so much for us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be not wolves in sheep clothing, but you'd help us to be sheep, following the shepherd, the great shepherd. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to know you and to serve you and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? I'm gonna have the praise team to sing a, a verse or two of invitation. If you'd like to come forward and pray about something, if you'd like to come forward and uh, say, I prayed that prayer, I just want you to know, make that profession of faith, uh, I'd be glad to, to hear that. If you wanna come and find out about church membership or baptism and how we do that, and when we do that, you could come right now as well. But as we sing our invitation, you come ahead right now.
0: Jesus, precious.
1: To you after the service, which will still be available, of course. Uh, we need, I'm out, Julie, I need to see you before, uh, right away, as soon as, after the service as I can. Also, I need uh, four or five guys, maybe some of the military guys that are going to stay for, we have a military meal for all those that are in active military on the patio. But what we would like to have you help us with, help my wife with, is to get the Christmas tree in here and the decorations in here. Um, Everybody up, okay. Um, and we're going to set that up, and uh, I think, Bo, yeah, Bo's going to help with that. So, so the tree is out here on the patio, and I think the, Pat will be back by the garage door uh, for the. If you could carry the ornaments and things in, that would I'd appreciate it very much. Tim, where are you? I hear we have one of our missionaries another one of our missionaries, Tim and Sharon Simmons. Are you here? Tim, you want to come down, and dismiss us in a word of prayer. This is. Uh, did you get to to meet the Lily family? We
5: just,
1: we just heard their testimony,
2: right?
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is Tim, and his wife Sharon's back there also, and uh, they work with uh, Exodus Ministry. Not Exodus. Radius. Radius. There, wrong. There yeah. <laughs> Exodus. Okay. Uh, Radius Ministry. Exodus is more biblical, but you know. <laughs> Anyhow.
5: Thank you very much. Say something about your ministry and then
1: dismiss us. Well,
5: we're excited about what God is doing at Radius, which is right across the border in Tijuana, training English speakers. They get to experience a cross-cultural environment while they're learning about cross-cultural ministry. Our students will end up anywhere around the world, mostly among unreached language groups, unreached people groups who have no access to the gospel and we get the privilege of pouring into them for a whole year. They live in Tijuana, and we get to teach them the culture and language stuff as well as the church planning. How do you go about church planning among a people group who have never been exposed to the Bible before? So some huge challenges ahead, but from the scriptures, there are some solutions as well. And then we have to learn the language and culture and understand their worldview so that we can communicate the gospel effectively to them. So we count it a huge privilege and we appreciate First Baptist Church Coronado being a part of our ministry, our support, and for supporting Radius as well. Thank you so much, Jim. Okay, let's close in prayer, shall we? Father, what an incredible privilege we have today to know that you are the Savior of the world. We thank you for what Jesus did in giving his life so that we could become reconciled to you, not because of what we did, not that we deserved anything at all. We thank you for your grace in sending Jesus for us. And now as we go out into the world, as we interact with each other, we just pray that that grace will be Um, obvious as we as we share together and uh, as we share your word as we share the gospel with those around us thank you for pastor jim we thank you for this church and we're just trusting you to continue using this church to reach out to this community and all the way to the ends of the earth we thank you in jesus name amen
1: amen amen if guys if you can help with the christmas ornaments and go out the back over to the garage and, and pat will direct traffic there and uh lord bless you have the rest of the blessed lord's day